This is happening. Let me just do what I love to No 9 to 5. This is Lifestyle Architecture Lab and I'm your host Himanshu Saksdeva. Hello guys, welcome to another episode of Lifestyle Architecture Lab. In this show I talk about lifestyle design, financial freedom and also dissect the process, behavior and routines of the personalities who have designed a lifestyle of freedom for themselves. These guests range from artists, musicians, entrepreneurs, lifestyle coaches, investors, professional athletes, etc. These conversations dig deep into their stories to find out their thought process, tools, strategies and tricks that makes them tick. This podcast is brought to you by Audible. I love audiobooks and I have been using Audible for years. Whenever I am commuting to work and back, almost always I am listening to a book. Because I don't get time to read as much as I would like to, so audiobooks help me read books in a whole new way. If you want to try it out, you can get a free audiobook download and 30-day free trial at audibletrial.com slash Himanshu Sachdeva. You will get thousands and thousands of books to choose from which you can listen on your phone, laptop or even on your Kindle device, anytime, anywhere. In this episode, I'm talking to Chavi Sachdev. She's an independent podcast producer, consultant and coach. Basically, one-stop shop for podcast production. She's also the most experienced podcaster in India. She has been making podcasts since 2008. She's also a multimedia journalist and has worked with names like BBC, PRI and NPR. When she moved back to India from the US almost 10 years back, she saw almost nobody in India was working with this new intelligent medium of storytelling which was podcasts. So she embarked on this long journey of making the podcast medium relevant in India, like smart and intellectual radio stations. Meanwhile, Chavi worked on interesting projects and co-founded IBM, which is a big podcast production company now. But she left after a short stint and eventually founded Sonolog, which is her own podcast production company. She has worked on a wide array of projects in audio and it reflects in her production value. Chavi has also been conducting regular workshops for individuals, colleges, corporates, and NGOs. Her four-hour crash course in podcasting is fairly popular. In this conversation, we cover many of the things about podcasting, the state of radio industry in India, her productive routine, tools, and tips about podcasting. I had a blast having this conversation with Chavi. So, without further ado, please enjoy this conversation with Chavi Sachdev. Hey Chavi, welcome to the show. Thank you for having me, Himanshu. 
it's my pleasure to have you uh, you have been at the forefront of podcasting in india since 2008 you have produced multiple uh, podcasts like the state of the radio the lsd cast tall tales takeaway bombay talkies nri podcast and recently you have worked with the uh, consulate general of canada in mumbai for their uh, first podcast series canada in india show you are also one of the most experienced podcast uh, consultants in india being a journalist and a radio person you have spent about a decade in the us and worked with names like bbc pri and pr etc but then you took the decision to return to india around 2008 so let's start off from there how did you come to that decision to return back to india well, unfortunately it wasn't entirely up to me because i was on that dreaded thing the h1b visa mm-hmm. and to stay any longer i would have needed a green card mm-hmm. and my em- my last employer at the time was willing to do that for me mm-hmm. but i found myself unwilling to commit to staying with them because that's what they wanted they wanted 5 years of my life in exchange for the green card and i thought i would die of boredom if oh i my God. stayed there so it was a great job um in terms of the fact that how easy it was mm-hmm. but i had no challenges left after that first year mm. i had i was on autopilot and it was great because um it was really contained and my i felt like my life began at 501 pm Mm-hmm. rather than between 9 a.m. and 5 p.m. Wow. And I was looking forward to when work would end. And when they asked me for a five-year commitment in return for the Greek card, mm-hmm. I thought, I I just can't do this. At the same time, things were happening in India. Mm-hmm. And it was exciting. And I came back on vacation and just had some conversations with people and got offered jobs on the spot, including one in radio. Mm-hmm. And at that time, it seemed like India was on the brink of change. that was a false alarm mm. but i believed it and i moved back to help set up what was going to be india's first talk radio station mm-hmm. uh little knowing that i have a very long and convoluted journey but i was enticed to come back because it seemed like there were going to be opportunities mm-hmm. and things had started to seem less charming back in the us us also i visited india when it was i visited india in january and when i reached boston I think they were having such a cold snap that the runway kept freezing over and our plane couldn't land. And we got out and it was I think the equivalent of minus 17 degrees Celsius and I wow. remember thinking what am I doing here? <laughs> <laughs> I've just left Bombay where it is like 28 degrees Pleasant Celsius. Pleasant temperature. <laughs> <laughs> <No>. <laughs> so that was a factor as well. Wow. So that that led you to India but as you mentioned uh, things were starting to change so are you mentioning just about the radio industry or uh, are there any other facts which you're talking about like which were changing in india so things have been obviously on a continuum but yes radio looked like it was going to change that turned out to be a false promise but of course podcasting did start yeah um in terms of i think the youth culture it was changing when i left india there were no places for young people to go hang out Mm-hmm. When I came back there were a few coffee shops uh, there were lately there have been bars where young people can go people have more spending money I think mm-hmm. and they're consuming media in a way that they had never done before 
And technologically, these things happened at the same time. I moved back when there were only feature phones. Smartphones yeah. had not started. Yeah. And podcasting was such a difficult thing. And yeah. listening to a podcast was such a commitment. You had to have your phone plug in with the cable, get an internet connection, subscribe, and then make sure that you're synced up physically. Yeah. And then you iTunes times, right? <laughs> I still listen on iTunes, but <laughs> now it's on my phone and I can just navigate with my the touch of a finger. Yeah. So things have, yeah, it was an exciting time. Things were definitely going to change and they have and you know, they continue to. So uh, as you mentioned earlier that you worked a few salaried jobs there and then moved towards uh, freelancing. Rather, I would say you begin as independent uh, podcast producer later on. So I've been at the both sides uh, of the equation. So can you share what was the most important factor that uh, made you take this leap? And what challenges you faced uh, when you moved to the freelancing side? So I felt I feel like it was, again, sort of thrust upon me. I don't feel like I had a choice. If I wanted to do what I felt called to do, there mm -hmm. was nobody to employ me. When I quit my job at the radio station that was not a talk radio station, I tried to pitch shows and programs to existing radio stations. Mm -hmm. I went to the small places like Mango FM, Indigo FM, local places. I went to the big ones, Big FM, Mitchie. Yeah. And it was discouraging. They wanted, if I if I pitched them a show about history or science or anything to do with culture, their response was, okay, great, but can you do it in like Mahmood's voice? Can you put cricket in it? Really? And they would, like, I couldn't find employment to do what I wanted to do. So the only thing I could do was employ myself. Mm -hmm. um, and in between, I have to say, I did go back to work for three years. I had a job. A mm -hmm. steady job with a steady salary. <laughs> <laughs> That's very attractive when yeah. you're a freelancer. Yeah. So, and I was doing audio. I was doing nonfiction audio content for an app that I feel was ahead of its time. We were doing tour tour guides, self-guided tours on your smartphone. So you mm -hmm. could go, and you still can, go to, you know, the Hava Mahal in Jaipur and be told the story while yeah. you look at the artifacts. When was this uh, around? 2012 to 2015. Wow. So... You know, the, the draw and the allure of a steady salary, something coming into your bank account, savings, uh, is always nice. You know, when you're a freelancer, that, that is the grass on the other side that is greener. Yeah. As soon as you are in a job, then you crave the freedom, then you want, I at least, end up feeling confined. Mm -hmm. And I feel like I want to do more things than is prescribed to me. So, but I think from working in the US, because I'd, I'd never had an, a job in India, mm -hmm. you know, I, I moved to America when I was 18. And then yeah. when I finished grad school, I worked there. I think I brought back um, a professionalism and a work ethic and a sort a sense of discipline. So I have my home office and a desk and I'm, when I'm working, I'm working. Yeah. And um, I have, I have lists and uh, calendars and planners and I check them off when I get my tasks done. So it's almost like office, right? <laughs> it is. It really is. Except I don't have the people. And it's funny when I have um, meetings in like big conglomerates. Yeah. Like I go to like the Times Now office or something. And I think, oh my God, so many people. Wow. <laughs> Seeing so many people must be a like really different thing now. It right? is. So I, last year, I spent a month at the BBC in mm -hmm. the broadcasting house, which was a, like 
an amazing experience. Mm-hmm. I've, I couldn't have dreamed that I'd be working out of this iconic wow. building. And there were so many people and I was so excited that that wore off in less than five days. I was like, wow, all these people talking so much. <laughs> Can't they be quiet? I have work to do. How are they getting any work done? They just stand here and chat. So I'm wow. now spoiled. I, I like my little content cave. Yeah. You go in, in and you work your heart out. <laughs> Absolutely. I think, I think uh, when you mentioned uh, you moved to India and you went to the radio stations for work, so I think you also were ahead of time when you were like working, like telling them I'm going to do this show, like you were pitching them. So I think you were also very much ahead of the time. Right now in like 2020 or 2019, I think I started to see this kind of shows emerging and that too via podcasting only, mainly radio stations are still not there yet. Radio stations, I, I've think I figured it out a long time ago. They're very risk averse. Mm -hmm. To them, they understand the formula and they want to stick to it. Yeah. They understand the formula and they want to stick to it. Uh, They don't want to rock the boat. Mm -hmm. Even, I remember going to conferences back in 2009, 2010, where all these CEOs from different radio stations would say, we need to start a sports station. Wow. So fast forward 10 years later, has that happened? No. (laughs) I mean, we're allowed to. The MIB allows that. You just can't put news, politics, news, religion, sex. Mm-hmm. So there's a whole world out there of information and programming that's not yeah. restricted, but nobody will do it. Yeah, and it, it doesn't make sense probably to the advertisers uh, as well because radio is mainly in India based on advertisement as we see daily, like listen to the radio. I no more listen to the radio, by the way, <laughs> because... Like out of 15 minutes of the content, like it's like more than half an hour of ads right now. It's true. Um, When I worked in radio, I found out it was quite amazing. There are stations that have four minutes of talk in one radio, in one clock hour. Wow. And there are some that go up to eight. Oh my God. (laughs) The rest is ads and music. Yeah. And uh, going a little back when you uh, moved to India, then you started out with the... IBM, right? So you co-founded IBM at that time. That was more recent, yeah. In between, I was approached by something like five different people. So my my strength has always been content. I'm a terrible salesperson. (laughs) Uh, I don't even know where to begin. And I can't... Five different people over the last 10 years have approached and said, look, we'll take care of the business side Mm -hmm. if you take care of the content. Do you want a partner? And I've always said yes. Yeah. But then there's been no money. Uh-huh. Until until IBM. So Amit and I talked twice. Mm-hmm. Once, I think in 2014, and I I told him, look, I've had this conversation before and now I'm a little wiser. Mm-hmm. So I can't do this for passion anymore because all my time goes into that and then I have no time to make something that makes me money. Right. And he said, all right. And I was astounded because a year later he actually came back and said, I've got a backer. Are you ready? Wow. So hats off to him. He's worked really, really hard to make his dream and his idea of a niche into a reality. And, and look where they are now. I, I don't even know how many shows currently he's got, but so, so Quite many. Quite a number of yeah, shows. Yeah, across genres. It's amazing. So yeah, I, I co-founded it. I helped launch um, Made in India, my name. Yeah. Cyrus Says. I'm mm-hmm. on the first 30-something episodes with him. Yeah. Mostly off mic because Cyrus, if you're listening... Uh, you know, you don't give anybody else a chance to speak. <laughs> and then we decided that we needed to do separate things. So I went back to Sonalog and independent podcast production. Wow. 
and uh, dialing back a little uh, you have had a very interesting combination of education uh, as well literature and then uh, psychology and then journalism how did they cross pollinate in your mind like when you were uh, starting with your academics so i actually was determined to be a clinical psychologist mm-hmm. early in my life i realized that people talk to me and i i say this with some hesitation because it sounds like i'm boasting but it is the truth mm-hmm. and it's always been that way people talk to me mm-hmm. and i i think part of it is that i find everything really interesting i find everybody really interesting so i thought i would be a psychologist and then solve every problem for them right <laughs> and sort it i would listen i would change their lives i got to college in the us and i had the freedom to do more than just one thing so i double majored in literature and psychology and then i took a year off and i went to poland where mm-hmm. i was so i did i did a, a double major in 3 years in the us which is uh, so it normally takes 4 years to do mm-hmm. college and i sort of crammed it all in i worked through, through the summer i took i took the maximum number of classes that i could so that i could finish faster i didn't want to finish later than everybody in india <laughs> so when i was done i was really burned out and i didn't have time at all like literally didn't have time because i had taken so many classes and i had so much homework and so many papers to study for my gre mm-hmm. so i took a gap year i went okay. to poland and i had that's my cat <laughs> <laughs> one of my cats yeah and they are they are today they are very active <laughs> this yes uh, zizi likes to join conversations tigger likes to join only when i'm doing video calls ah so nice. i will be doing some sort of um, video meeting zoom skype whatever he likes to be seen <laughs> he does not want me to be looking at something else and, and usually ah. he's sleeping but as soon as the video video starts yeah he wants to join <laughs> in so Yes and uh, college so I took the year off yeah and I was going to use that time to s- prepare for the GRE mm-hmm. and take the exam in ASET and then apply to master's degree programs in the US and when those this is pre internet actually internet had of course started but I was in rural Poland where the only internet was in the mayor's office And, and you had to walk to it but the office was very close by <laughs> but the mayor was also in his office so i couldn't be like hey move over move over <laughs> i need to access internet <laughs> yeah can i look at some brochures for grad schools <laughs> so uh, i had paper brochures coming from the us in the mail and i went through them and i would bookmark the psychology programs and then i would find myself flipping through it and looking at the journalism programs instead mm-hmm. and they just seemed fascinating what fascinated you in that so i'd written for the college paper i'd written for the school magazine and i just you know enjoyed it but i was very clear that i didn't want to study literature further because i felt like too much theory and stuff would kill my enjoyment of the books and psychology seemed like but i'd always wanted yeah but the journalism program would just keep drawing me because it just sounded so interesting and then it finally occurred to me that there was a synergy that i had not realized before which is that i like literature because it's stories yeah. i like psychology because it's people stories and with journalism i can do exactly that i can tell them and so i switched tell them to the world tell them to the world and i am you know fairly nosy And journalism <laughs> gave me front row seats to people's lives with permission to ask them questions. <laughs> so, <laughs> wow. That's and amazing. Then, so written I I started around the dot com boom. Mhm. So in 
uh, when 9-11 happened, which was the day I graduated master's, wow. my master's uh, from Northeastern in journalism, I ended up working with a science newswire and then Boston.com. So it was the dot-com boom. And I was working with a bunch of different magazines online mm -hmm. and stuff. So it all came together. And then radio. And I had I'd done some radio news in grad school. Mm -hmm. We had a radio station, like a community radio station. So, so it was a pro bono kind of thing you were doing totally, at that time. Totally, yeah, yeah. yeah. And uh, as you earlier mentioned about the audio tours, uh, which you were like producing at that time. So uh, I also, uh, I got exposed to it very recently in 2019 when I visited Lal Kila in uh, Delhi. So uh, instead of a guide, uh, I was intrigued to see the audio experience which, are, which was put there. So we got it and we got the headphones and then it started. So it was an amazing experience. Like it, it was the first time I was exposed to this kind of stuff. Fantastic. And I found it really amazing. So I just want to ask you if you have any specific uh, story like when probably you, you were producing this kind of stuff. So how would you uh, do that? Any particular story coming to mind? About the, the process? The process or maybe a place for which you designed this oh. kind of experience? So, uh, you know, the job, so this job sounded really exciting because it was travel. Uh, yeah. It turns out as a producer, you sit at your desk and other people travel <laughs> and you edit them. <laughs> <laughs> that but, would have been a shocker. <laughs> well, I, I kind of knew, but there were some that I fought to do myself yeah. and some that I uh, really bullied my boss to <laughs> also let me go for mm -hmm. so Banaras was one of those I'd never been and I wow. insisted I needed to accompany the writer mm -hmm. it was fine I mean we stayed in like cheap places and traveled cheaply and saw you know the Banaras is amazing Banaras was amazing and um, I worked with a lot of different writers so it was when I I mean it was the two of us who started it um, the my boss who was mm -hmm. the founder and me and we were the only employees and so I developed the process. Which the was workflow. this company? It was called Audio Compass. Audio Compass. Yeah. It's still there? No, it's, not it's anymore. Dissolved. Yeah. Okay. So I set up the workflow, looked for writers, and we had a we had a bunch of different approaches. Like some of them were very regular. Like you're looking at the, you know, Hava mm. Mahal. This yeah. is the Palace of the Winds. Or it could be more like storytelling. Uh, the the Bombay one was something I was really proud of. It mm -hmm. was called The Footsteps of the Raj. We worked with a wonderful theater person uh, called Argya. Who, Argya. 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 Yeah, Argya okay. Lahiri. He's fabulous. And he told the story in uh, like the form of a contemporary person having found the diary of a soldier who was on the last ship out wow. of the gateway of India. So he'd researched it meticulously. And mm -hmm. so it was in two voices where the, the young person has found the diary and is comparing, like, for example, at the time, there was no statue of Kala Ghoda in Kala Ghoda. So this person is wondering, why was it called Kala Ghoda? Mm. And then you've got the diary where he says, oh, this magnificent statue has been put up and, uh, you know, it, it's in the white town while on the other side of the wall is the black town and explaining how Bombay... Yeah. It was back then. Or we would have like two narrators where somebody's like an apprentice and somebody's like an archaeologist giving a tour. I don't know this story like black side and the white side. Oh, Can I'll you have to explain a little bit? <laughs> <laughs> Let me, uh, so back then, you know, the area of Bombay that's called Fort yeah. is called Fort because there was a fort there. There yeah. were seven forts. Uh, you know, there's Burley Fort, Mahim Fort, Sion, yeah. Basin or Vasai. Yeah. And uh, Fort Fort. 
Yeah. And so the white people City lived of islands, right? Yes. So. Yes, absolutely. It was called Old Woman's Island just off of Colaba Island. Now it's all reclaimed and connected into one yeah. um, long skinny peninsula. Yeah. So inside the fort was where the white people lived and it was white town and outside the fort was where the brown people us lived and ah, black town. Okay. And you know where Oval Maidan is if yeah. you're in Bombay? Yes. So Oval Maidan was actually the esplanade and beyond that where all those beautiful art deco buildings are, we have the largest stretch of art deco buildings anywhere in the world outside of Miami, Florida, just by the way. Mm-hmm. So where Marine wow. Drive is and all those beautiful buildings are, there was nothing. Mm-hmm. And the esplanade was sort of where lands end and the cannons were positioned so that there was this buffer area and they could fire out to any navies any attacking attack. yeah wow there's a lot so i also learned a lot and i love telling people bombay stories but that was audio compass and one of the i think the most gratifying parts was of course i learned a lot but working with different people and their creative approaches and then i learned studio work through mm-hmm. that job mm-hmm. until then i'd been a diy podcaster yeah. you know, working at home usually at night recording when traffic sounds are less <laughs> and then it was a privilege to get into soundproof studios and see really professional people doing their jobs with mm-hmm. editing and engineering and work and working with voice actors and we specifically got people from theater because it was stories and that is something that still i think um, has stayed with me and informs my decisions i there are people who come to my workshops who want to be all rje in voice yeah uh voice overy voice overy <laughs> and i tell them no you have to be voice actory <laughs> <laughs> so if you're doing a produced podcast get a voice actor yeah not a voice over mm-hmm. artist mm-hmm. that's amazing i mean so many new things i'm learning today <laughs> so uh in india uh, right now uh, the podcasting space is uh, booming even though there is a huge opportunity here in uh, india for podcasting but also there is major gap in terms of a platform for independent podcasters like us hmm. like for monetization <laughs> and uh, like money as you earlier mentioned tell me about it <laughs> <laughs> so we need a democratic platform uh, which is not there yet uh, meaning the way youtube is for video video creators uh, there is nothing as of now in india or in the world uh, apart from anchor which is a new podcasting platform which is acquired recently by spotify but that is also not there in india yet for monetization so uh, outside of india in us and other uh, developed countries uh, even independent podcasters are now getting approached by brands directly and they are getting paid good amount of money but i'm wiping tears <laughs> of jealousy <laughs> but <laughs> but in india that's not the case right no. so what are your thoughts on this uh, do you see a similar pattern emerging like uh, us and other places uh, probably coming to india in some time uh, which may be benefiting the indian independent podcasting community as well do i see a pattern unfortunately no am i hopeful of course uh-huh. so i think we have something like 400 plus independent podcasts in india right now now compare them to the 800000 on the itunes store wow. we are we are like infants compared <laughs> to them and the market is in an infant nascent stage so do advertisers understand the potential of course not i have had agencies approach me where they have been like okay listen um so i have a client and they want to do a podcast so uh, can we have eight episodes in three days uh, oh wait what God. what have you promised them what have you told them 
what are they expecting what is a podcast and they come up with some outlandish stuff that they think they're being very cutting edge about but even the people who could pitch it to potential clients don't understand what they're talking about so it's it's there's lots of room for growth for everybody to be educated the people who are in a position to get advertising the people who are in a position to advertise and people like us who you know we're we're like me for example i can either create content or go try to sell it and mm-hmm. i already know that's not a strength for me yeah i would much rather sit in my little creative zone <laughs> and yeah and make make stuff yeah it's not worth my time to go have meetings with people and say look i have and plus i don't have that much reach so the american metrics of monetization so for platforms you have to have 5000 discrete listens in order to be mm-hmm. eligible for them to do a mid roll ad and give you a rev share mm-hmm. where am i going to get 5000 listens from in such a small market where people don't understand the demand yeah and don't understand the supply one of the reasons i started doing workshops is because i thought cleverly that if i increase the supply it will increase the demand yeah if i tell 10 people about a podcast i would have, if i'm doing a podcast about love sex and dating and i tell 10 people maybe one will listen but if i teach 10 people to make podcasts and they're making a podcast about cars or plants or knitting and they tell 10 people and they tell 10 people at least the ecosystem will grow so yeah. that was that was the reasoning for just trying to enable people to do their own podcasts and grow mm-hmm. it uh, some of my alumni have gone ahead and created podcasts i think i scared some away because i told them <laughs> it's actually hard work yeah and it's a lot of hard work <laughs> it is a lot of hard work it's a commitment yeah and some people have the drive to push through it and i want to enable those people to do that so the more independent podcasters share and lean on each other the more i think the ecosystem will thrive can we get a platform together where we collectively get funding or advertising that we share of course am i the person who can do that are you the person who can do that probably not but maybe somebody listening to your podcast yeah <laughs> could put that together that would be amazing if some if like we get a representative yeah to, so people who are listening any product people if yeah. you want to make a product this is the one you should go for right right help independent podcasters monetize them there's enough of the pie to go around and uh, as as i mentioned about anchor so probably they are also going to start up with india area as well for monetization so how uh, as per my experience how their monetization is working is they're providing a platform which also helps you record the advertisement in itself and then uh, like automatically push it into the mid roll or pre roll or post roll yeah so it it is almost like youtube like uh, for video creators right so i think that's also going to be a platform for go to podcasters who want to monetize their podcast but i think there are more platforms required of course to make them more competent definitely definitely mm. and also i feel like unless a particular platform is offering you how how pg is your audience can i say shitload yeah of course <laughs> so <laughs> it's explicit <laughs> <laughs> awesome so if there is a shitload of money coming your way by all means commit to one partner mm-hmm. but you know what like play the field otherwise how are you going to be discovered if you're only in one place yeah you want to be on itunes you want to be on spotify and you want to be on wherever else you know i 
I just don't say I say don't get married until <laughs> there's enough on uh, for you to sign the dotted line you know it's it's just not worth it otherwise really spread yourself play around you know be mm-hmm. be indiscreet <laughs> otherwise people will not find you so uh, as we talked about anchor so do you recommend uh, anchor as a podcasting host if somebody is listening to this and he's aspiring to create a podcast so i try so I don't recommend any host specifically. Everything has a downside. With Anchor, I know Spotify owns them. Anchor has some very dodgy fine print about yeah. IP. Yeah. Yes, exactly. So, and Luminary for example, mm-hmm. a great exposure, but if they're I mean if you were hosted somewhere else, they're stripping your stats and you don't really have much control over what you're doing. Mm-hmm. So, it just depends on what you want. If mm-hmm. you're going to bed with somebody, then either be in it and be getting something from it or don't you know then really like i said make yourself available everywhere <laughs> i'm i'm not i have not seen any platform that seems appealing to me for mm-hmm. just committing to it for any of my podcasts or any of my clients we host with a general host and put ourselves out there everywhere it's like dating you want to be on all the sites <laughs> cuz every site is different you can't only be on tinder or only on bumble or whatever truly madly cuz you know each has a different usp and a different audience yeah so anchor yourself in your own self That's and then right. spread it across exactly. the applications exactly you can't just be on linkedin you have to be on twitter and instagram and facebook as well yeah so there is a challenge going on dolly on parton dolly parton challenge yes, exactly <laughs> yeah so I hope you're enjoying today's episode. Here is a quick word from the sponsors of this episode. For you the listeners of Lifestyle Architecture Lab podcast, Audible is offering a free audiobook download with a free 30 days trial. The free audiobook is yours to keep even after the trial ends. I have a few audiobooks to recommend. Number 1 is Sapiens: A Brief History of Humankind. This is one of those books which will take you back to the ancient times and teach you so much. I recently read it and it just blew my mind. Number 2 is The Graveyard Book by Neil Gaiman. This is one of the greatest bedtime books which I discovered. Neil Gaiman's voice just makes this book much more wonderful. This story and the narration is just amazing. You can download any of these two books or thousands more for free right now. Just go to audibletrial.com/himanshusasteva. Again, that's audibletrial.com/himanshusasteva for your free audiobook. Please enjoy. So, uh, moving towards uh, a little bit of personal side, how how does your typical day look like? So the first thing I do is feed my cats because they are a very finely tuned alarm clocks. Wow. <laughs> Regardless of the day, temperature, light outside, they are like clockwork. Mm-hmm. And they don't have snooze buttons. <laughs> so I feed them, then my day begins. 6:45 is when they go off. So I if I sleep late, it doesn't matter to them. They don't care. <laughs> then um, you're sleep deprived. Yes. <laughs> So I I start by feeding them and then I have a little personal routine. I try to work out every day in some way shape or form. So I usually swim, but mm-hmm. your your listeners would laugh at me. I think it's too cold even in Bombay <laughs> during December and January. Yeah, it is. <laughs> so I don't swim. I am a truly tropical person now. Mm. And then I um so in this time I 
work out either at home or I go down to this little tiny gym and um, eat late. I start slightly late. I don't start at eight o'clock in the morning. Mm -hmm. I, I get to my desk about 10 ish and then work. Well, I usually end up pushing off lunch, but I, if I'm at home, my routine is to then be at my desk. So in the first part of the day, I get rid of all the um, correspondence and smaller to-do lists and then up till about lunchtime. And then after lunch, I do a deep dive into projects and I try to time myself. I have a really great app to log my work hours because I have multiple clients. Mm -hmm. And I try to be, uh, we'll try not to check WhatsApp and email while I'm focused on doing a certain thing, whether it's editing some scripts or putting housekeeping stuff together for podcasts. You know mm -hmm. how it is. You need yeah. metadata and photos and all this nonsense also, <laughs> other than just the fun creative part. Yeah. And so I'll, I'll do that till evening and then generally try to stop at a decent time and I get my dinner. I assemble dinner, really. I don't cook dinner. Mm -hmm. uh, feed the cats. Mm -hmm. And then I try to have some downtime. So I read or socialize or sometimes watch TV. <laughs> you and, watch TV still? <laughs> well, not actually. I don't have a TV connection. Uh, Netflix, but online Netflix. Yeah, yeah, yeah. On, on the TV. On the on device. On the TV. On the TV. On the TV. <laughs> yeah. And on, on days that I have meetings and stuff, I try to schedule them so that I can get back to my desk. Or I'll try to do all of them in one day so that my work day isn't broken up. So I'll try to do them in the morning or late afternoon. And so batching, batching of work of sorts. Yeah, that is that is how I prefer to work. Mm -hmm. And yeah. What time do you go to bed? I tr <laughs> What time do I aim to go to bed? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's the question. It's 11 so that I get enough sleep before my cats wake me up. Yeah. So I start to wind down. Um, I try not to work beyond latest nine. Mm -hmm. Usually by seven I stop. So do you have any... Uh, routine as you mentioned a personal routine is there so if you want to share that like uh, uh, maybe some journaling you might be doing or maybe some stuff which might be a little uh, awkward to tell but uh, <laughs> but something to offload your mind from the previous day do you have any sort of practice I do absolutely and I think it's essential so there was a client I used to work with in the US and I um, had to Make a conscious, it took very long to come to this decision to stop working with them because I would end up working till 11.30 mm -hmm. and then I wouldn't get time to unwind and that would just pile up and it would spoil my next day because I would be underslept and crabby and then resentful of, of the client and of myself for not having put a hard no and put a stop and my own boundaries. So I, I told them no, that was one thing I recommend highly is say no to people. And the other things I do, I, I do need a routine to wind down. So for me, um, I have to do something nice for myself, which is reading or just switching off the brain from the work. Yeah, of and I also do mindfulness through an app, usually every night. Mm -hmm. What's that app? The app I use is called Insight Timer. Insight Timer. Yeah, okay. and there are, it's, a, it's a wonderful app. There are multiple ways you can search, duration, keyword, type of meditation. Mm -hmm. So that works for me. So it's a paid app? Absolutely free. So okay. it's, okay. this is a plug. I highly recommend <laughs> it. Okay. Um, I tried coloring for a while and I enjoy it. But um, what I like to do is switch off the light a little while mm -hmm. before I go to sleep. So yeah. I can't do that in the dark. Yeah. <laughs> and reading is a big, big stress buster for me. I read in the morning. I read during lunch. So I take a very quick lunch break. Mm -hmm. And during that time, I actually 
that's one of my reading times. So I I eat really fast. I eat in like five minutes, but then I take ten <laughs> more minutes to read. That's uh, the food, also. <laughs> yes, brain food. Brain food. Yeah, um, I work out. I find that if I don't work out. I don't sleep super well, and again, I get crabby. Again, the next day is spoiled. Uh, yes, um, I drink a lot of coffee in the morning. <laughs> <laughs> that's a little. That's an addiction. What so, kind of coffee you make uh, for yourself? So I have inherited a really nice espresso machine. Mm-hmm. Before that, I used to make it on the mocha pot. So now that I have an espresso machine and a grinder, I get coffee beans and grind them myself. Usually, a medium roast mm-hmm. and. And I make my own almond milk. Oh wow! So that nice. is a every fourth day sort of morning routine that I wish could just magically happen on its own, but it doesn't. You don't drink milk. I don't. I'm lactose intolerant. Oh okay. Yeah. So I do that, and I think all these things work to and and then I prep my dinner, and all these things help to unwind. So yeah. you switch off your brain from the stuff that's just going around and round and round. It doesn't always work. Yeah. There are definitely times when, when I wake up. Mind is still open. <laughs> absolutely. Or I wake up in the night and I'm stressing about you know something mm. that has to happen the next day or in the next few days. Yeah, so. but that's what you aim to do with all I the do. unwinding. And routine. I really try to separate my work and my life. Like on the weekends, um, if I have to work, I will try to cram it all into. Like the first part of the Saturday, mm-hmm. and then really try to decompress. Mm-hmm. And you know, with WhatsApp and email on your phone, it's intrusive. And I found that there is a very different way that clients and vendors work in India, mm-hmm. and these boundaries are bizarre. Mm. So I will get work calls at nine o'clock at night on a Saturday. Or on a Sunday afternoon, last oh Sunday I was God. at friends' house with lots of friends, and my phone was pinging constantly. I mean, who are these people, and why are they working on a Sunday? But great, more power to them. I feel like my boundary is that I will not do yeah, that. Yeah, probably Indian work ethics like go beyond the timings. <laughs> Something like that. <laughs> <laughs> so, as you mentioned, you read a lot of books in in between your routines. So, what kind of literature you are reading? It's is it fiction, non-fiction? I read everything. Everything, every genre. Yeah, I do. I'm not picky. All If right. it sounds interesting and it's well written. Any um, any specific book you would like to recommend? Um, that's hard. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe it's the culmination of multiple books, of course, but it's really difficult to answer this question. Like music and books and podcasts. Like how <laughs> I can tell you what I'm listening to now. Or, what are you listening to now? <laughs> or what I'm reading now and enjoying. Yeah. So what I'm listening to right now, I tweeted about this as well, is a hilarious podcast. Called Hello from the Magic Tavern. Mm-hmm. It's sort of improvisational comedy. It's not something I would have anticipated listening to. A friend recommended it, mm-hmm. and I do like science fiction. Uh, that's one of the genres I I actually actively seek. Wow! But uh, this is hilarious. So I I won't give too much away. Listen to it. It's really really funny. It's also uh, NSFW <laughs> and explicit. Um, Right. I'm listening to some true crime, and I finished Dirty John recently. It's old, but it was good. Mm-hmm. And I'm listening to Victoriosity, which is again steampunk sci-fi set in an alternative Victorian England. Wow! It's not. It's it's totally fiction. It's a radio drama. It's super Sounds fun. really interesting. <laughs> awesome. And then I listen to you know the world from PRI and the Daily, produced by the New York Times. I I recently. Uh, Listen to a audio book uh, from Neil Gaiman and Terry oh. Pratchett 
Um, nice. Good I, omens. Yeah, exactly. So I found that book also really, really interesting to listen to because yeah. it had a lot of uh, characters and mostly they were like voiced over by... Uh, voice acted rather mm-hmm. by <laughs> coming to your <laughs> different definitions yes so uh, different different uh, radio personalities i think they have uh, worked in that uh, audiobook to produce that audiobook mm-hmm. and i think neil gaiman was producing that because yes. terry pratchett died yes so that was really amazing experience good omens is one of one of the most funny books ever <laughs> Yeah and there's a show also. Yeah yeah I I subsequently watched the show. Yeah the show is super. Uh, there were a lot of mixed opinions. I love Neil Gaiman I read everything he ever writes. I thought it was good. I enjoyed it. Yeah I I listened to his uh, one of his podcasts with Tim Ferris and one of the habits I picked up from there was to use a fountain pen. Oh interesting. <laughs> so he has a fountain pen library of sort oh, wow. with him. So why he uses the fountain pen is because he says as i'm using a fountain pen my creative ideas are more flowing than i'm using the other pen he said uh, that's probably my mm-hmm. understanding but when i suggested it to my close people they also felt the same <laughs> and i have almost a good number of pens like he said uh, he mentioned hundreds of pens and he wow. also mentioned a very, very interesting uh, place where he takes his pens when they are ill like he treats them like a person so there is a in new york there is a fountain pen hospital actually awesome. so where they treat these pens and then bring them back to life oh very cool so i i picked up a fountain pen after that show and i'm i'm also like of the recommendation that nice. you should use so i have one and it's orange which is my favorite color and i journal with it but i think i have not picked a good one it's uh already started to become a little it needs it needs to go to the hospital <laughs> probably <laughs> we don't have fun in bombay <laughs> next next time we go to the us <laughs> awesome and as you mentioned about meditation as well so any specific meditation practice you do uh, and you would like to share i just go with the inside timer app and i i type in my keywords so sometimes it's okay. stress sometimes it's anxiety sometimes it's count like breathing mindfulness um and then i just do that i go for between 10 and 30 minutes it's very weird to me that ages ago my um my gateway was this app called minds um headspace headspace which yeah. has the 10 free days right yeah. and it's a 10 minutes a day practice yeah and i would do that for the 10 days and each time i f- i would like f- it would dong and i would be like 10 minutes are up and i i found it really easy to get into it hmm. and at the time uh, i had somebody visiting me and he was really worked up about something so i said let's do it together he was very resistant to trying and i said let's do it together mm-hmm. so we did like day 1 mm-hmm. again and uh, when it finished i said wasn't that like didn't it just go by so quickly and he was like are you kidding it was the <laughs> longest 10 minutes of my life <laughs> so i think <laughs> um I think it just comes I think he started you were already in a an advanced position in meditation and he started <laughs> from the beginning so that might be the problem <laughs> Yes So I don't have anything like super specific Yeah so I I also started like my gateway was also headspace 
but then I moved to another app which is called Zen Friend, mm-hmm. and it was being sold. So I I almost like bought it as well as uh-huh. an app. Yeah. But eventually the deal didn't go through. Oh. So somebody else bought it. Okay. Uh, and then uh, eventually because I'm really interested in meditation apps and how to make them work for Indian audiences mm-hmm. as well. Uh, so eventually I'm uh, freezed right now at waking up. Uh, which is an app uh, created by Sam Harris PhD mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. he is uh, an american speaker and uh, author who is very very uh, very much focused on meditation and religion also uh, he's he's very outspoken about uh, religion especially versus christianity mm. and versus islam but he is a really interesting personality and uh, eventually the meditation app he has put out he has spent hundreds and hundreds of days uh, outside of us spending it with uh, he has been a monk as well himself yeah. i think mm. and he practiced with monks and uh, eventually he he has been to various places and tried out various techniques before he launched his own uh, meditation yes. app it's on a uh, similar path to headspace mm-hmm. uh, but it has 50 days of i see meditation so it's but it's not free but from day 1 he starts in getting into your bones i mean he his voice is amazing first of all and his practice the method he tells you it's amazing you all just right. need to experience I'll it i'll check it out yeah so in um inside timer what i like is that there are a lot of well known people who are mm-hmm. on it mm-hmm. and i have the free version because i don't do the courses so it brings together practitioners from different fields and different kinds of practice so the person who's really well known for um, self compassion mm-hmm. kristen neff the tara brack mm-hmm. and then there's this other person called kenneth suarez mm-hmm. who does affirmations and deep sleep mm-hmm. and i have to say kenneth has really been very helpful for me when mm-hmm. i was traveling over the summer i i was in the us for almost a month and before that i was in the uk for almost a month and as i've grown older my jet lag has just gotten out of control time zones <laughs> and kenneth i have never I've never like stayed awake through a single meditation of Kenneth's and it's wow. awesome. So <laughs> he's really really helped with jet lag. That's amazing. Uh and as you mentioned you of course everybody uses apps and gadgets these days. So what are a few apps and gadgets which you use uh, to make your life a little better? So I have um well I have my recorders and my microphones for my work and headphones. And so what uh, sorry to like take a different path what what kind of uh, audio equipment you use <laughs> and what is your favorite one i mean the mics specially mics i'm using a shore mm-hmm. uh, same as this okay 58s right this is 58s <laughs> yes and i have a uh, shotgun mic which is it's a knock off of the road basically i mine <laughs> okay. is a, i I got it here from Lamington Road mm-hmm. and I think I've basically seen that same mic white labeled as many different things mm-hmm. so it's a good mic. Uh this one is Eason. It's not a brand name you can mm-hmm. really find anywhere. Okay. And I have I have a mini zoom because mm-hmm. my actual zoom died and I have a Tascam mm-hmm. recorder. Mm-hmm. I work in Hindenburg mostly for editing okay. and Audacity when I really need to fiddle with uh, the crossfades because mm-hmm. i find that hard in hindenburg yeah. but hindenburg is amazing for features mm-hmm. because of that clipboard yeah. that they've got i'm yet to work with hindenburg oh if you guys need a trial code <laughs> i can hook you up and um headphones i've got 
Audio-Technica MX40s, which are you know, better than the 30s, yeah. not as expensive as the 50s and really good enough for monitoring. Mm-hmm. Um, for phone apps, actually the Shure recording app is really, really good. It's called Motive, mm-hmm. M-O-T-I-V, but I, I'm a purist. I really want to monitor my audio when I record it. Mm-hmm. So I don't recommend phone apps for recording. Mm-hmm. I have um, several apps on my phone. Goodreads, where I, I'm a little obsessive about <laughs> lists. You might have picked up on that when yeah. I mentioned my checklists. Yeah. I have Fit, um, Fitbit, mm-hmm. Inside Timer. Um, I de-stress by looking at Instagram and Reddit. <laughs> okay. Mostly cat stuff on Reddit. <laughs> and Otter. People need to go follow Chavi <laughs> <laughs> on Instagram. Yeah, sure, you're welcome. It's Chavi underscore Sachdev. Yeah. And um, the other the other tools I use are uh, for quick transcription, otter.ai. Again, yeah. I have a code. I have a code. We'll put it in your show notes. Yeah, use it. You'll get some sort of... Uh, yeah. I'm, I'm really fascinated by Otter. Actually, recently discovered it. <laughs> yeah, Otter is great. Um, and, and they have an app, so you can record and it can transcribe while you do that on Real your phone. Real time, yeah. yeah. And the um, other stuff I use, I use Toggle, T-O-G-G-L, again, mm-hmm. on my phone as well as on the desktop. There mm-hmm. are both. Toggle helps you keep track of the time you're spending on different projects. And for me, because I have different clients and I, I want to make sure that I'm being compensated yeah. or that I'm not spending too much time on one thing or another, you can build projects and clients and, and monitor your time. Time tracking. Yes. I'm really bad with budgeting. I have an app for that. And mm-hmm. I install them and then I forget about them really quickly. What is the checklist app you use? Um, I have a pen. And <laughs> physical a, diary. Yes. A wow. <laughs> spiral bound diary. So there's one called Tiny Changes, which mm-hmm. you can find on Amazon. Quite inexpensive. That is really, really nice. And I moved to their daily planner because I need more space. So what I do mm-hmm. is I have a master list on mm-hmm. the right side mm-hmm. of like tasks. And then I have the to-do list drilled down on the left side and then I check them off. Wow. <laughs> I mean, this reminds me of a journal which is called Bullet Journaling. Yes. So that seems really interesting. But the onboarding time for that, I feel like I need to take a year off to learn how to do it. Yeah. I'm a little it's a quite, intimidated. Quite complex process. Yeah. And the amount of creativity. Also, I'm just not that creative mm. with like all these coloring and beautiful lettering. And mm. I like the bar is so high. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I'll just stick to my already lined. And so the left side is all you know, lines and the right side is like graft. Yeah. So that's yeah. perfect. I'm happy. So the great thing up I, I like about it, I'm also yet to start with it, but I, I saw many videos because I wanted to start with it. The important thing I liked about it was the zooming out feature. Like you need to create a month, then you need to create weeks and days. So on days page, you work on yes. specific tasks, mm-hmm. but on the weeks page, it's like a little zoomed out state. Yes. So that thing I really like about it. And I imagine if you're creating yourself, creating it yourself, you know, your brain is activated in certain ways and you're more invested or whatever. But you know what? All these journals, seriously, (laughs) they have that feature already. And it's just easier to jump in and just use your pen to write in it rather than sitting and making. Making the format. Oh my goodness. (laughs) And the amount of like, oh, people are so creative and it's so disheartening. (laughs) Because mine is never going to look like that. (laughs) Ever. So, uh, like, taking a segue from there, uh, uh, any person you would like to mention who has been a mentor to you uh, in your work, maybe in uh, radio or maybe in podcasting? 
So I've been lucky to work with several very good editors. Mm-hmm. And uh, so when I I jumped into doing features for radio, you know, mm-hmm. I was I I moved from web and print and mm-hmm. it it came easy to me, but there were still of course things I had to learn on the job and I had editors who were very gentle and told me things like uh we really need you to be better about collecting a lot of sound from the field mm-hmm. and you have to be careful about making sure you're not picking up your cable noise because mm. your head my headphones were moving and like my, right now you are using a cloth yes i uh, have mic handling noises i clearly have very sweaty hands mm-hmm. so i have wrapped around a microfiber cloth mm-hmm. uh, so that my grip doesn't make noise but yeah. yeah i've learned to carry these things i've learned the hard way of course mm. uh, to carry extra batteries and uh, sd cards whenever i go into the field but yeah. there have been editors and i have learned to value that there are people you can work with who will help you amplify your own voice without tamping it out and those are the uh, pri for example mm-hmm. and bbc and and this one wonderful editor at npr uh, named mark silver who i will give a shout out by name because he is delightful to work with mm-hmm. they will help your words and your points and your sense of humor come through without shutting it down and just improving your points or rearranging stuff and saying if you move this higher or you know go in this format like zoom out zoom in mm-hmm. personal story and then make the point it's it's wonderful to learn from encouraging nurturing people rather than people who just go in and be like up oh, wrong wrong this this just move this just move this and now it's fine thank you mm-hmm. and you you're then suppressed like your creativity or your input is gone and then you don't go back to them again <laughs> not by choice no yeah yeah uh working with such kind of people probably brings out creativity more uh, than it usually is there definitely and so i try to be that kind of person with the people i work with if you know they're they have a vision they have mm-hmm. a voice then my job is to make sure that it just is better not it's not wow. my voice mm-hmm. it's not my ideas or my opinion that counts my, mm-hmm. i'm a conduit and i've always felt like as a journalist a radio journalist that was my job mm-hmm. is to present other people So shout out to Sono Log here. <laughs> like if you if any brand is listening to this and they want a podcast, so Chavi is the person to go to. <laughs> yes, always. Thank you. <laughs> Coming to another silly question uh, which might sound silly but okay. it's not actually. Okay. Silly questions. <laughs> Let's go. What under 5000 rupees purchase uh, probably you have made recently uh, which made your life a little better? I have bought pretty crappy earbuds have you seen these the truly wireless chotu things that yeah, just stick in your ear yeah the earbuds yeah so i basically have like gadget envy all the time <laughs> and everything good is over 10000 yeah which is why i'm couching this by saying this is not amazing mm-hmm. but um so when i record remotely i connect my phone with either wired headphones or with these mm-hmm. and then i wear my headphones on top of it mm-hmm. right because i need to monitor what's going into the recorder. Mm-hmm. So these are not great for conversation. I have found that my parents, my partner, nobody can really hear me very well. <laughs> They'll hear like the hair I'm brushing away from my ear louder than my actual voice. voice. But they do stay in my ear and I can go for a run with them. Wow, that's amazing. So Which brand? <laughs> I'm I'm not going no, forget it. It is some made in China crappy thing. So basically we have to wait for this market to get 
more competitive so that the yeah. prices of the good stuff drops to mm. under 5000 mm-hmm. but that's my latest thing i don't know if that's really the best mm. thing to talk about but sparks some joy <laughs> yes wow and uh, another similar kind of question if you are uh, given a chance to put a billboard anywhere in mumbai mm. on a near a highway what you would like to put on it i would say give your brain some nutrition listen to podcasts switch <laughs> off the radio wow that's that's a good one <laughs> and uh, as you have mentioned about podcasts as well uh, would you like to uh, recommend any book or any documentary you which you would have recently seen i have many documentaries on my to watch list mm-hmm. but last year i read the fewest number of books i have read in ever since i started keeping lists mm-hmm. i was Im- embarrassed uh, <laughs> nobody knows the count except me but i was uh, very competitive with myself mm-hmm. so this year i have not watched almost anything yesterday was the first time i watched tv all year it's january we're recording in january mm-hmm. it's republic day so 25 days of the year i have not watched tv actually since december mm-hmm. because i have been determined to read my books in terms of let me see i have everything Listen, I have an app. I have an app to keep track of my TV watching. Wow. I have an app to keep track of my movie watching and my What's that reading. app? <laughs> For TV it's called TV Time. Mhm. The icon is a black background with a yellow T on it if you're looking for it. Okay. Um for movies it's IMDb and for books it's Goodreads. All right, let me see what non-fiction I read recently. Oh, this was interesting actually. I did read it this. No, I read it last year. So there was a book called Maybe You Should Talk to Someone by Laurie Gottlieb who is a therapist and mm-hmm. it's about her seeing clients her going to a client uh, it's about her seeing clients and her relationship with her therapist wow and i thought it was very insightful it's funny it's very very humorous because she's very self aware mm-hmm. and it's just interesting to see a person's journey and then be able to relate to it in i'm a, i'm a big uh, proponent of counseling you know i wanted to be a clinical psychologist yeah. i feel like going to a counselor is like taking your car for maintenance yeah. and everybody should go so this is obviously something i was drawn to and i i thought it was very well worth to read and before that i read uh, a journalist called douglas preston who wrote a book about the lost city of the monkey god a wow. a, a ruin it's supposedly a treasure <laughs> in the honduras and wow. again because he's a journalist there's all this stuff about honduras and the banana republic that's where the word comes from and yeah. the economy and how there was colonial influences and how how things worked there and then of course about archaeology and and this dig it was fascinating wow amazing to know so as you have been producing podcasts so what would be your next goal or something challenging which you are looking for in podcasting on maybe uh, individually so there's a couple of things i want to do from for podcasting and myself in podcasting this year one is i want to produce i want to get funding to produce a very highly produced <laughs> that's not a word for it really storytelling podcast true crime i have um, yeah wow i i want to really use a lot of archival material mm-hmm. and spin it out so that it's really compelling mm-hmm. and i have made some inroads i just need to get green lighted wow i would amazing. really love to do that it's been something uh, the 
documentary maker and I have been talking about for like, four years mm -hmm. and neither of us has the resources to commit to this and make it as good as it should be without external money coming in. Yeah. So that's one thing I'd like to do. Wow. I think in India, uh, uh, recently horror genre has been very highly uh, consumed. Yes, but that's I think, true. But I think suspense and thriller is something else. True. And this which... is this is a horrible horror, <laughs> non-fiction, <laughs> yeah. true crime. So I think it should check all the boxes. Yeah. And the second thing I want to do, which you know, because Himanshu, <laughs> my lovely host here, is my support and champion in this, is I want to really grow the community of independent podcasters. Yeah. Because I think we don't have a level playing field. Mm -hmm. And if we don't support each other, we're just going to be floundering on our own. Yeah, I think uh, the community building needs to be done in a very uh, passionate way. And I'm, I'm really, really excited about it. <laughs> Passion we've got. <laughs> now we need to work on it. <laughs> yes, now we need to tether it and make a community grow from it. Yeah, so people uh, listening to this, many new events are yeah. coming up. Hey, we've got a Slack channel. Yeah. And we've got a Facebook page, yeah. Indie Pod Collective. Indie Pod Collective, yes. I-N-D-I-E-P-O-D Collective, yeah. all one word. Uh, hashtag also, whatever. <laughs> you know, find us. And uh, if you're... If you want to put something together in your city, I'm happy to facilitate. If you're in Bombay, of course, you're yeah. welcome to join us. We're going to try to do this every month. Yeah, every month we are going to put out an event. <laughs> yeah, and we'll do something to help the community. Yeah, amazing. That's amazing. So if uh, somebody is uh, aspiring to start a podcast, are there any bullet points you would like to give to them uh, when they're just beginning? They've not started yet? Sure. Um, one, you don't need fancy equipment. Mm -hmm. Two, have a plan. That's more important. Yeah. Three, look at the look at what's out there and differentiate yourself. Uh, yes, you are unique. Mm -hmm. You are very, very um, different from everybody else out there. But seriously, what are you bringing to the table that mm -hmm. nobody else is bringing? And if you need help working that out, talk to people. Don't work in a silo. Mm -hmm. Come to our meetups. Yeah, come <laughs> to, to, our meetups. to the community. <laughs> and. Um, and when and and here's here's a tip: when you are done, don't release that episode yet. Mm -hmm. Make a like a zero episode zero mm -hmm. and share it in a community, yeah. either your friends or you know the indie pod collective. Yeah, and get some feedback because oftentimes um, there are things we overlook. Mm -hmm. And finally, don't release your episode until you've got some in, like a bucket. Mm -hmm. So if you're planning a season of 24 episodes, mm -hmm. try to have at least, like, I don't know, at least half done if you half can. <laughs> but that's a good metric to have. So then you can consistently release them yeah. like weekly or maybe fortnightly. Yeah, and, and then you're not working end to end on a deadline. When I first started my first podcast, I realized this. So I was doing the state of radio. And I would put it out on Wednesday. And until like Tuesday night, I would be researching, researching, researching. And it started to stress me out because I was working to a deadline. I was reporting on something that was happening, you know, in real time. So that was not sustainable. You know, I, I had to stop because it was taking over my life. And I was then at a point where I would be like, oh, my goodness, I don't have the resources to put it out this week. Then from weekly, it became biweekly. And then eventually once a month and then I stopped. <laughs> so I, I tell people, have a plan. Be realistic about yeah. how much you can do and try to do as much beforehand so it's not time constrained and, and not timely. So it's it's not like 
oh, this is a Republic Day yeah. episode. You <laughs> yeah. could release it on Valentine's Day and it would still make sense. <laughs> yeah. So do that and, uh, and don't kill yourself. You know, people fall sick. People have vacation. You have the right to have a life. Yeah. So, uh, so it was great talking to you, Chavi. Uh, would you like to mention a few social uh, handles uh, where oh, people can reach you? Absolutely. So on Twitter, um, I'm me, Chavi, C-H-H-A-V-I, mm-hmm. where I... Where I post stuff I'm reading and thinking about, sometimes cat stuff, sometimes music stuff, a lot of political stuff. That's where I got to like connect with you. <laughs> yes, so I'm pretty active on Twitter. Yeah. And uh, Sonolog is less active on Twitter, but it is on Twitter. That's mm-hmm. S-O-N-O-L-O-G-U-E. Mm-hmm. On Instagram, I'm Chavi underscore Sachdev, C-H-H-A-V-I underscore S-A-C-H-D-E-V. Mm-hmm. LinkedIn, uh, I have recently made an effort to get on <laughs> it. I don't even remember. I think it's just Chavi. Yeah. And Facebook, I really don't do much on as uh, but myself. For the groups. But for the groups, I'm there. Sonolog has its own Facebook page mm-hmm. and the IndiePod Collective has yeah. a, is a group. So, so all right, all, all these links and all the good stuff from this episode I'll be putting out in the show notes. Thank you. And thank you for taking the time to talk to me. And It's my pleasure. I, as you can tell, I'm always happy to keep talking about podcasts. <laughs> <laughs> thank you. Thank you. Hey guys, this is Himanshu again. Now, before you move on, here's something I want to share with you. I have one weekly newsletter which is called Saturday Pentacle. You can think of it as a weekly one-page magazine for the curious minds where you'll find five awesome things which I've been pondering on in the last week. It may contain popular articles, blogs, photographs, Instagram posts, books, videos, products, or thoughts. It's completely free. If you want to get it, just go to himanshusasdeva.com. That's my name, himanshusasdeva.com and drop in your email. You'll get the very next one. I hope you enjoy it and thank you for listening.